Welcome to Behind the Bill, podcast by the Webster Auto Collective. I'm your host, Sam Webster, and I'm excited to take you on a journey behind the scenes of the automotive world. Each episode will dive deep into the minds of automotive enthusiasts and professionals, exploring their passion, creativity, and automotive culture. We believe that behind every great build is an even better story worth sharing, and we're here to uncover those stories. From classic cars to modern machines, from racers to collectors, we'll bring you the stories that make the automotive world so exciting and diverse. Whether you're a seasoned gearhead or just love cars, we invite you to take a dive into the minds of a modern-day car enthusiast. What's up, guys? Welcome to the Behind the Build podcast presented by the Webster Auto Collective. My guests today are Brian King and Alex Elko. They collaborated on building an amazing third-gen Tacoma, and I'm really excited to talk to them because this truck has an interesting story. It was built to provide clean drinking water to people in Africa, and it's not a route that you see many car enthusiasts going down. So this truck has really turned into a humanitarian effort, and I'm really excited to understand the story behind it and how Brian and Alex came together to build this amazing truck. So welcome to the podcast, guys. Hey, thanks, Sam. Great to be here with you. Yeah, really excited to have you here. Brian, could you just tell me a little bit about your organization and what you guys are trying to do? Yeah, sure. So uh, the name of our organization is Vox or Vox United. We founded it back in 2007. And what we do is we do humanitarian development, specializing in clean water installation in rural Africa. We're based here in West Michigan, um, do majority of our, our fundraising and management from this side, but we have operations in South Africa, uh, Mozambique and extensions in, in Kenya. And we focus our energies on identifying non-functioning wells, restoring them, mobilization, teaching people how to maintain uh, a well um, and also we have a drilling uh, department where we, we actually do borehole drilling and, and, and new well installations. So our, our, our primary focus is working with folks in the rural Africa context where um, water is, is a, a difficult thing to come by. Clean water. Clean water. And yeah. drinking water specifically, right? That's the main, main focus. Yeah, drinking water. Absolutely. Gotcha. And how did you get into this? Is have you done yeah, humanitarian, humanitarian work professionally? Yeah, so here's here's the quick and dirty on that. Um, so back in 2008, I was in northern Mozambique, and I was just sort of a bucket list trip. And to, just to kind of cut right to the punch, uh, when you show up in Africa as an American or someone from the West, um, you're instantly a rock star, right? <laughs> and they roll out the red carpet. So they... We showed up in this village about eight hours of the main, the main town, and uh, they, you know, they killed the fat and calf. They, they gave us this great meal, and they, they presented us with the best water they had. But the best water that they had wasn't good enough. Okay, so when I drank it, I came down with dysentery. So in a matter of you know twenty four hours, I was down for the count. Um, just could hardly, I could, I could hardly move. I could hardly see. I was in and out of consciousness. Um, traveling back and forth in and out of a mud hut, looking for places in a village of 4,000 people to relieve myself, if you can imagine. Um, very uh, Temperatures 110 degrees plus. So by the time my friends got back from doing some reconnaissance, they realized that I was in really difficult shape. And they said, listen, we, we got to get you to a med center. We got to get you to some sort of clinic or whatever. So they threw me in the back of a pickup truck. Vaguely remember this. Balancing around the back of a pickup truck in, you know, in, the, in the, the middle of the bush. We traveled for about three hours. And they carried me in. And I, the last thing I remember uh, saying to whoever the, the medical personnel was, they had this needle, 
was attached to a rubber hose and a bottle. And I said, I just want to make sure that that needle's clean before you put it in my arm. And that's the last thing I remember. But I, I came to, to, um, to moms and grannies crying. And I later found out that they'd lost their, their kids uh, to waterborne, a waterborne illness. And matter of fact, um, as I was working through recovery, and that's another story, uh, I discovered about 37% of the kids in that region of the world were dying before age five from waterborne illnesses. And, you know, life's short and we can have these experiences and kind of chalk them up as experiences, or we can actually take them, learn from them and press in and do something about it. I decided to, to do the latter. Got back to the States, got with some of my friends who, who build, you know, trucks and cars and um, have construction firms. And we decided that we wanted to collectively uh, collaborate on, on doing something about it. So for the past 15 years, that's what I've been up to. Um, we founded Vox. Vox is Latin for voice, and the goal of our organization is to give a voice for pe to people who don't have uh, a voice in, in rural Africa. And uh, this year, we will have, we just, we just reached the 2 million beneficiary mark, so, uh, which we're really excited about, but at the same time, we feel like we're just getting started, Sam. Wow, that's amazing. That's, yeah. uh, that's quite the story. <laughs> and why did you choose cars to be the, the vehicle to promote this effort? So I, I, I come from a car family. My dad was a car guy. My grandfather was a car guy. My uncle's a car guy. My cousin's a car guy. They got hot rod shot. Blood. We have octane in our blood. So my dad, a few years back, was diagnosed with this, this terminal a lung disease. And we didn't know how long he had. And uh, so I went to him. You know, we built cars um, back when I was a kid. And uh, I said, Dad, what do you think about doing one last build, right? And he was all about it. But unfortunately, the disease went through a lot faster than what we anticipated. And uh, so when he, he had passed, I said to my wife, I'm going to do that last build. That's the story, honestly. And uh, that's how we got into building the, the Hershack. So my dad's name, right. my dad's name was Hirsch, right? Okay. And her thinking was, let's, let's build a truck we run uh, to... Toyotas in, in Africa, Hilux and Land Cruisers to do our water work. And, you know, those things are bomb proof and um, you can go anywhere, um, anytime with those, those vehicles. So the thinking was rather than building, you know, a sweet muscle car, you know, hot rod or something like that, let's build a truck here that mirrors the trucks we use in Africa. This would be a great way to honor my dad. Build it. My, my dad loved black vehicles and he had, you know, the style and, and he was all about excellence and doing things right. Let's build it, you know, let's build it according to Hirsch, but let's use it to, to give people clean drinking water. So the thinking was, if we can raise a million dollars, use this truck to raise a million dollars and give 100% of it back, that'd be a great way to honor my dad's legacy and help a ton of people. So that's the impetus for the Hirsch Acts. Wow, that's amazing. And, and this is kind of where Alex comes into the story, because you wanted to build this insane truck. And you needed someone to carry out all those modifications, really make it bulletproof. And so how did you run into Alex? So, so here's the, we, once we got going, uh, we started stretching and pulling the idea and the thinking was, well, if we can, if we can expose people to this truck and use it as currency to have a conversation, um, then that would be worth it. So where, where, where do you start something like that? Well, the biggest car show in the world, SEMA. It just made sense that that became like the focus for where we needed to go with this thing. And, and, 
And in just a matter of time, the word on the street traveled to the folks at SEMA. And one of the board members called me and said, hey, hey Brian, I heard about what you're doing. We'd love to have you come out to SEMA, roll out your, you know, your initiatives and uh, see if we can help you uh, get this thing, you know, at the front door. So when, um, when we decided that that's what we were going to do, uh, I started to talk to some of my, um, some of my friends who have a fabrication company here in West Michigan. And I said, listen, I need the best fabricator on the face of the planet and <laughs> preferably somebody local. And so my friend, my friend Brad said, listen, you, you need to, you need to meet Alex Alco. Cool. Give me his, give me his number. And so I picked up the phone. I called Alex, told him about what we were doing. And, um, Alex immediately was like, man, this sounds super cool. And, uh, I told him it's, it's all for charity. You know, we don't, we really don't have much of a budget to do this thing, if any. Mm -hmm. And he said, I'm in, I'm in, let's get it figured out. And I think Alex, right. The next thing we, uh, we did this little event where we went and raced, um, supercars at uh, the Michigan Speedway and we got to know each other and we traveled back and forth you know, the course of you know, uh, three or four hours just getting to know each other. And then um, we started putting together a plan. And um, before we knew it, we were in Alex's little garage over there in Granville, Michigan, working on the, working on the truck, huh, huh Alex? Oh yeah. <laughs> that doesn't seem like it was that long ago either. <laughs> and so Alex, you were, you're an, off, an automotive fabricator, right? Yeah, yeah, uh, I sway to the off-road side. Um, pre-runners, luxury pre-runners, uh, daily driver stuff has been kind of my wheelhouse for uh, nine years now. Um, just dipping my toes into some hot rod stuff. It's kind of an unwritten rule of anything cool. Like, as long as it's, like, pretty sweet, then, yeah, we'll, we'll figure <laughs> it out. Um, but, yeah, Brian definitely blindsided me right at the perfect time um honestly i was working a, a day job still just a mechanic on forklifts and trying to get a little shop started in my 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 600 square foot garage and uh he cold call reached out said hi i'm brian king um i'm friends with brad Hahn, and brad was my laser cut guy uh in town for the fab shop that i used to work at and so had a, a great relationship with Brad. He's way into land cruisers and stuff and builds cool stuff on his own regard um, and connected the dots for us. And it was right at a time where I was getting ready to pull the ripcord and do my own thing. And I'm a, I'm a huge believer in faith. And as I was getting ready to pull that ripcord, I was like, all right, there needs to be, I need to be able to do something with this too, though, because um, I, I don't want to, I don't want to spiral into this fabrication world of just eat, sleep, breathe, only myself in my small little garage. It's so easy to do as a fabricator. Like You get so wrapped up in the small world that you live in of ordering parts, building stuff, and making deadlines. And with Brian reaching out, it was just like, well, that's a sign I needed. I, I, I was asking to do something more with my, my time and was given a perfect opportunity. So um, I couldn't have said yes faster. And it has, I mean, the, the, the dream came true really fast. I mean, the truck was built from July till October of that year. And I can't say that I did much more than all of helping him get the suspension and um, 
chassis stuff done. I mean, he has amazing partners with C4 Fabrication and Blaze Off-Road for all the wiring. I mean, all everyone was completely top-notch, front to back, top to bottom on this thing. It was amazing. Oh, it's amazing. It's, I mean, you look at the truck and you know it's something special just at a glance. There's a lot going on. It looks super mean at the black. Um, like <laughs> what, you said you wanted it to replicate the trucks that you have running in Africa that are actually out there performing all the work on your wells. Like, what are the characteristics of the truck that you needed um, to be built in? Okay. Characteristics of the new truck um, that you needed to replicate on, what am I trying to say? <laughs> what what were the, um, what were the, the, the things that you were mandatory to have on this truck that weren't there at the beginning that you wanted to, to add to it? So it's it's a little bit of a catch because the way that you build a truck in Africa may not be that exciting to the typical guy or gal traveling through SEMA, right? Sure. Um, so the way that we built this truck is that we wanted to put a bit of a bells and whistles spin on it okay. because we knew, just to shoot straight, we knew that uh, if we just build a standard truck, I mean, who really cares, right? We see those down the street every day. Um, you throw a rack on it, you know, maybe a little bit of beefy suspension, whatever. But this one had to, this one had to, you know, carry its own. And we had to create a little bit of buzz, um, a little bit of bling here, a little bling there to, to try to figure out how to capture people's attention so that we could actually talk about this thing, right? So uh, in, in order to talk about the situation, we need to have a badass a badass vehicle. We need to have some currency, yep. if you will. You know mm -hmm. what I'm saying? So, so, and Alex and I, even while we were working in his little garage, um, we spent a lot of time just chatting about what, you know, what that might look like, what kind of things we could do with the vehicle. And so he was very instrument, instrumental helping us, you know, tighten up the vision for where this thing was going. Even, even though we spent a big chunk of the year prior planning what this thing would look like. I mean, as you get going, as, as a builder yourself, you know, you, you've got this plan and all of a sudden you're like, wow, you know, this is a way better scenario or the door opens and, you know, you've got the opportunity to work with this person. This person can bring, you know, something that would up the ante. But, um, you know, to your question, we knew that we needed to, to build something that was overland style. We call them water safaris in okay. Africa, right? And uh, it's, it's a safari with purpose. Um, that sort of that category but it also needed to um, have uh, a bit of pizzazz. So that's why we upped the ante on, you know, some of the stuff that we, we did like with the electrical and, you know, Garmin came to the table and like we were one of the first trucks to actually have the, the, the power switch set up, right? Where, um, you know what I'm talking about, where they're actually the whole Bluetooth integration and yep. so forth. That kind of scenario was, you know, I sat down with Mitch at Blaze and we actually started to, dream about what you know what it might look like to to create a you know a, a, a super cool um battery management system that would allow us to live off the grid yet looks really good right so when you see it it's it's got some style um and so as as the truck developed um we 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 really wanted to to, to capture and integrate that you know that that essence um but the, the the truth be told we we also didn't want it to be like crazy over the top either you know, we want it to be a capable vehicle that can get the job done because um, at the end of the day, we want to ship this thing to Africa, right? And, and, and use the truck to actually bring more exposure to, to the need, okay? So we knew, we knew that we needed to create something that had 
um, that had some bells and whistles, but at the same time was very capable when we, we'd move it over sure. there. So, um, does that answer your question? Yeah. Um, I so Alex, you installed all the suspension upgrades on, on the truck, right? Um, what kind of yep. suspension upgrades were you thinking about to be able to one, you know, make it look nice and two, be capable in Africa when the truck goes there one day? Cause that's a lot to think about. Because you're far away from shops and you're far away from all the manufacturers of all the parts. You got to have something that's reliable and is easy to work on. Uh, it's interesting you bring that up because me and Brian had multiple conversations on that front of like, okay, how, how do we know that this is going to be reliable for the bush of Africa? I mean, a lot of these parts come off of manufacturers and vehicles that test this stuff for, you know, Baja. And it, it is still just a, a mid-travel setup, but it's got a custom set of Devers um, and it's got the best Fox shocks you can get that are going to not be like your 3044 race shocks. Like this is a still a, a bolt-on style setup. Um, and the key, I, I would say the key was keeping it um, a standard width and the drivetrain portion of it is pretty much still all just heart, like auto parts stuff. And, um, so the, you did, Brian, did you end up getting RCVs for this thing? I did it. No, we, we went back and forth on that and, and actually, uh, talking to some of the guys over at just differentials, um, and they're fans of RCV and, and, uh, I think they actually sell that product, but, um, they said to me that the, the chromoly axles that exist right now the stock axles are super strong right and they uh, they said just just stay with those and it's a lot easier to replace those than you know the rcv style right so well and if you're breaking an rcv out in africa a getting a replacement is impossible but b like you're already going through gnarly enough stuff that if you're breaking those parts um there's there should probably be a, an alternative route Right, exactly. So reliability was a huge I, portion of the thought process when you're building this thing. It is. I mean, we, we thought about everything, you know, being able to, to operate um, independent off-grid um, for long periods of time. Uh, we thought about the, the fuel situation, you know, because in Africa, diesel is easy to find, but gasoline is sometimes difficult. So trying to figure out how to, you know, manage that, making sure we got kind of the right kind of fuel system in place that can, um, you know, can filter out bad quality gas, which we run into all the time. Um, you know, we, we thought about that scenario. We thought about, um, you know, communications, um, you go down the list. We, we, we thought about everything. Uh, and, and certainly other than, you know, getting in, in, you know, an earth roamer or something like that, we feel like what we've designed and what we've come up with is probably the best, um, the best scenario that we could we could could actually you know bring to fruition. Um, we're very happy with with the way this thing looks. You know, when it goes over, then we're gonna have to still have to do a few mods to the to the truck. I think there's some things up front that we still need to do with with um, you know the spindles and whatnot. We need to gusset a few things. I think, huh, Alex? And mm -hmm. um, there's a few little things like that. Different wheels um, uh, for the for the bush. Um, so the setup's gonna have to look change a little bit and we've been altering as the, as the days progress. But, um, the re the reason why, I mean, maybe this is a good dovetail. The reason why we're, we're holding out on shipping the truck is that right now 
um, Africa is probably the most um, unstable it's been ever since we started working in that particular area of the world. Um, I don't know if you watch the news, if you look at uh, you look what's happening in Sudan, uh, which is one of the main routes coming down <clears throat> for us going um, across the continent. Um, they're actually um, ushering um, U.S. citizens out of the country because of the, the turmoil that's going on there right now. And the military is involved and they're trying to get as many people out of there as possible. The embassy is being, being um, removed. Uh, the, the, the number of um, militant insurrections is just off the chart. Where we work in northern north, Mozambique right now, there's, there's this ongoing uh, insurgency. Uh, you can check it out. Google Cabo Delgado. There's over a, a million people who have been displaced. And, uh, you know, a, a year and a half ago, um, I got, you know, phone calls from, from our guys on the ground saying, hey, Brian, what do we do? Bullets are flying, you know, the next village over. Um, you know, and people's heads are being cut off and uh, villages are being burned to the ground. So if you see the movie Blood Diamond, it's, that's the reality of, of what we're, we're dealing with there. And so um, right now I've got two of my, my friends who've been in, in prison for, for the last five months on erroneous um, uh, terrorism charges. Uh, and we're still working with the embassies and trying to figure out how to get, you know, get them uh, back to their homes. Um, some of our friends uh, on the other side of the continent, there's been you know, five coups uh, as of recent, and uh, there's a lot of turmoil over there. Um, our, our friends in, uh, who have a who have, who have uh, development organization have had their staff kidnapped, uh, held at ransom. So there's a lot of things like that. And when I, we ship the truck, you know, there's gonna, it's going to be my wife and myself and, and folks from other companies and, and other groups joining us. We want to make sure that we get home, people home safely. <laughs> sure. um, that's 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 the that's the bottom line. And so we've we've got an advisory team. We've got people um, uh, here in the states and on the ground over there who are helping us make that decision. And right now, the the advice is remain in a holding pattern until things things settle down. Wow. So, but one day when we get the truck over there, um, then we'll be set up and ready to rock. Yeah, that's sure. a. It's, <laughs> it's 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 really amazing that you're able to navigate all of that and still be able to operate in some capacity. But it sounds like there are a lot of challenges at the moment with keeping your operation moving forward. There are. We actually, majority of our efforts were in the northern part of Mozambique with our water work. And because of um, the security risk, we've had to pull up stake and move our entire operations to the middle of the country, which is no small mm -hmm. order, right? It's a, it's a lot of work. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, it's a, a very difficult uh, time right now. And uh, it's, it's actually been months since I've been over there. I go back and forth, but because of the, the threats and the, the, the risk of travel right now, um, we've decided to hold, hold tight until um, we, uh, we know for a fact the, the corridor is, is clear and we can do the work okay. that we need to do. We, we continue to work with our local guys on the ground. Uh, you know, we've, we've got teams uh, working, doing various things. Um, drilling and restoring walls, doing mobilization. And so they continue to to do that work while we manage and fundraise. The do you guys space. operate mostly in rural areas? Yeah, we do. Mm -hmm. And how big is the team that you have that is out there going? How many, how many wells are you drilling at any, or restoring at any given time? So we're a small organization here in the States. We have seven and there's 20 on our team in, in, okay. in Africa. Okay. So, uh, but we have work going all the time, 
uh, today I was on the phone talking to one of our project managers and just got back from a district called Mwanza, where we did a series of well restorations. Um, Africa's chock filled with, with non-functioning wells. People drop in a well, uh, organizations raise money and they, they drill a well. And then what happens is either people aren't trained how to maintain, it's like a car, right? If you don't know how to maintain your vehicle, it's just a matter of time before it's broken down and, and it's useless. So people need to be trained how to, how to keep the water flowing. Um, then sometimes it's a lack of training, but other times it's like with a situation I'm just describing up in the, in the North with the, ins the insurgencies, you've got a million people displaced. I mean, imagine for, for a moment here, if you've got one well for say, let's say 3000 people, all right, already you're standing in line a majority of the day, you're missing school to get, you know, to get water, whatever. Now you have an influx of another 15,000 people. Okay. What do you do? Right. So now all of a sudden, not only, only is the, the well being overburdened, but people are standing in line for, you know, a couple of days. Um, so you're forced to, to try to figure out where to go and get water. The water that they're chasing down is again, likely to make them sick because it's not coming from, from a safe, safe access source. Um, so that's, that's what we deal with. And, uh, the, the point where I'm, or, or I'm trying to make here is that Africa is, is full of a lot of wells that have broken down overburdened wells where people don't have the the knowledge to, to fix them. It, it might be something as simple as a rod or a seal that might be five bucks, right? Uh, it's, it's as simple as that. Uh, but as a result, people suffer because they, they, they can't keep the well going. And so what we do is we identify, we work with the government to identify these non-functioning wells and we go in and we work with the locals to restore them and then we train them to, to keep the yeah, well. Yeah, totally. Does that make sense? And yeah. So that's what we do. And then, we, and then on top of that, we do we, we have drilling initiatives as well where we're lining up uh, new boreholes to get yeah. drilled. Um, and, uh, and so, yeah, we yeah. got several things going on. Do you guys own your own drill rigs or do you contract? You do, yeah. We do. How big are the wells? Yeah. How diameter and depth uh, generally? The wells, eight, usually six to eight, um, eight uh, inches in diameter, okay? And then depth-wise, we measure by the meter. So the meter is anywhere from typically 20 to 150 okay. meters, okay? So it just, it just depends on the topography, where you're drilling, um, you know, how, and again, when you drill, um, we, we do hydrogeological studies to make sure that we spot correctly. But if, um, I mean, you drill, you spend a better part of two, three days drilling and all of a sudden you hit the water and you find out that it's salt, brackish, right? Or it's full of fluoride. Um, so it, it, it's, it's a bit of a risky uh, venture um, but it's worth it. It's worth it. And, uh, matter of fact, we actually spent the last four months down in, uh, uh a district area called Masinga and we drilled 21 times, but we only got five positive mm -hmm. yields. So that's, that's the challenge in all this. And there are, there aren't like studies, you know, like we have here in the States where, where, you know, you basically can talk to a, a drilling company and, and they know exactly where the veins run and whatnot. It's not like that in Africa. Mm -hmm. So you really, you're really kind of on, on your own, um, in many respects to try to, try to figure that out and, and you do your best. But I tell you, when that water starts to flow, man, it's a beautiful yeah. moment. It really, I mean, is. you really it's are changing cool. people's lives. Yeah. It's, it's incredible. What, uh, yeah, we no, think absolutely. They're, they don't have to walk somewhere to get water. They're not worried about getting sick. I mean, that's, that's something that we all take for granted is just open the faucet and right. have clean water. But I mean, there it's, like you said, you could be standing in line for hours or days just to get something to drink. And do you, 
Right. I mean, do you manage the wells after they're drilled? Um, and do, are the people that are accessing the water, do, do you tell them to only use it for drinking water instead of using it for bathing or cleaning or anything like that just to conserve? We try to, you know, it just depends. There's a few different things that come into play here. It just depends on the, the number of people in the mm -hmm. community. Again, because you can overburden that well by just pumping all day long, right? And, and uh, I mean, if you, if you run the vehicle, you run the car, the engine all day long, every single day, it's just a matter of time before, gotcha. you know, it breaks down. So we, we tried to, we tried to, to help them figure out what, you know, what, what, what are the, the times, what, are, what times are best and, and how, what the check, check maintenance schedule looks like for them based on the number of people. Um, but what we do is, is we turn over the entire ownership of the well to the, to the people, because if, if we, if we continue to own it, then it's our responsibility, right? If it breaks down, it's our responsibility to, to fix it again. Um, and it will break down. It's, 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 you know, it's mechanical. It's just a matter of time. Um, but if they own it, it's like, um, you remember when you, you, you bought your first vehicle, like for a while that you're driving mom and dad's and whether that thing got washed or taken care of, it was on them. You didn't care. Right. But then when you bought your first vehicle, um, then it changed, man. You're watching that thing all the time. You're watching, you know, you're watching the oil maintenance schedule and whatnot. It's the same way with folks in Africa when they own the well, um, they own the well. Right. And, and, uh, they take care of it. So we have formal ceremonies, dedication parties where we do this handoff. Um, you know, we build it, we work with them and then they receive it. And then we, we, uh, we'll work with them to monitor the process to make sure that they're doing what they need to be doing. But, uh, in the end, the, the goal is self-sustainability. And when people can, can take care of the well themselves and make sure that it's dependable, there's a contribution system that's in place that oftentimes we help set up where people can contribute if they're using water and then when the part breaks down, then they can afford to go and buy that part. If there's not a supply channel, we help folks create a supply channel so they can get the part. Um, but by and large, a lot of this is education, helping them understand how valuable that water is and making sure that they keep it going versus like when it breaks, you go back to the sure. contaminated source. Um, so, but the, the bottom line here is we manage for a period of time, but in the end, the goal is to to help people become self-sustainable, to walk on the when it comes to this stuff. What kind of capital investment goes into producing a well that has good, clean drinking water? Like you said, there's there's some that are not viable. Yeah. So you think of that as a sunk cost, or you think of that as, you know, you just average that out to the cost of the other wells. I mean, yeah, we, we, we run on averages, right? Um, but majority of, you know, majority of our work is funded by, um, Mm -hmm. private donations. So small to medium-sized businesses, individuals who align with what it is that we're doing. Um, folks like, like Alex and um, Shelby Elko, right? Who, who believe in what we're about and invest in our work and help us get it done. We're so grateful for those folks. Um, and, and so what we do is we, uh, we look at what our capacity is and we project what we want to do for the year. And then we go and we right. try to raise that amount of money to drop in a well for us. It's about ten thousand dollars. Okay, getting getting the drill rig across, you know, the region, um, the fuel, uh, the cement base, the pump itself, the drilling, the time, the guys, you know, our our, our drilling operator, our crew to get the job done, um, and then you know to mobilize the community to do you know two or three months of education, 
um, it all gets factored into to the costs. So yeah, for for ten thousand dollars, we can we can get a village of anywhere between five hundred to twenty five hundred people access wow. to clean. And how many wells have you guys put into production? Oh gosh! Wow, hundreds. That's amazing. <laughs> yeah, um, I don't have the exact number right now. Um, I know that we've benefited two million people, um, but we've done wow. hundreds, hundreds, of and yeah, for sure. The truck um, is the thing yeah. that you're kind of drawing light to this organization and the entire effort. Um, do you work with other partners to do co-marketing with you, or is it mostly just through social media efforts with Hershex? So we've been able to raise about $300,000 of our, our uh, million dollar goal so far. We've been at it for just over a year. Uh, and that's in addition. So the truck is sort of a side, a side project to the fundraising okay. we do at Vox. Um, so we've had some amazing folks, uh, jump on board and help us. I think of Josh Doolin out in Arizona who, who said, Hey, I'm going to, I'm going to run a meetup and I'm going to get a bunch of guys. We're going to do a trail run and I'm going to raise some money and we get some companies involved and we're going to do a raffle. And they raised several thousand dollars to invest in a, you know, a clean water project with us. Um, guys like uh, Cutting Edge Customs and Mountain Yodas, uh, those guys out there in, in Colorado, they, Mountain Yodas, they, they put together what they call the Fun Rager last year. And they did this big party, right? Invited all their friends to come on out and, and raise some money to give people clean drinking water. Um, companies like H3R invest in the work that we do. Um, the Fire Extinguisher Company. Uh, in, in, in just a couple weeks, C4 Fabrication is gonna come to uh, the table with a hundred thousand dollar campaign that they're that they're running for Vox. We're super excited about this. Um, we've been working on it for the past couple months, um, but that's going to drop here soon, and we're going to invite people to join us and join C4 and, and raising the hundred thousand dollars. That's going to go toward everything we're talking about here. So um, yeah, we work with, with with folks who are willing, you know, people in the community that are like, you know what, I align with this. I want to do something. I want to use my bad <laughs> ride for a world of good. Um, and whether it's doing an event or a party or some sort of trail run um, or uh, a small business that says, hey, you know what? We love what's going on there. We want to be a part of what you got going and we'll, we'll throw some, some money at it. We'll sponsor a project. Or you got you know, a company like C4 that says, you know what? We want to do something big. We want, we, want to, we want to create some serious momentum around this thing and see if we can get some more companies involved to join us, match what it is that we're doing. Um, the, the, the bottom line of, of why we built this truck is to, to put the spotlight on this need and invite people into doing something to, right. to make the world a better place for others. Um, you know, Alex talked about his faith. I'm, I'm the same way. It's my faith that drives me. And I, I really believe that I've, I'm created um, to, to do something about the needs of others. And our, at our house, we talk about love being a verb. Um, it's, it's, it's seeing the needs in others and making a move to do something right. about it. Right. And that becomes the raw material that changes people's lives. And so the whole, the whole focus of what we're doing with, with, with Hirsch X is to, um, to see if we can't, um, have people join us in, um, expressing some love to, to those who are in desperate need. And in particular, clean right. water is the, the application uh, that we're talking about. That's right. So, cool. so yeah, when, that's uh, the deal, man. Love is a verb plays nicely. And so, you know, Alex putting all of that time into 
creating it, making it happen, creating this vision that you had in your head become a reality. And so, you know, what was that like, Alex, you know, knowing that the truck that you're building is more than just a toy, like the one behind you, it's something that's actually going to create some good in the world. <laughs> it was, uh, honestly, it was great because, um, Brian caught me at a time transitioning out of a high-end fab shop and the, he, he caught me at a time where I wasn't afraid to have a 199 mile vehicle in my shop that were cutting, uh, spring purchase off of and cutting the whole rear suspension apart, cutting the axle apart. You know, it's, uh, he caught me at, I mean, everything aligned to where, you know, I was my best self as a fabricator at that point in time, self-sufficient and self-sufficient to give my time to help him create that vision. So I was, I was on autopilot as far as the making his vision come to life. Um, Brian mentioned just the conversation around the truck, the entire time that we worked together for about a week on it, um, is, is honestly what, what the whole mission was about. I mean, Brian is such a detail oriented person. So that's, that's a little daunting to work for. Um, just because, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm a perfectionist as well. And so to, you know, let go of those reins and say, okay, make this happen. It's, sure. It's tough. And, um, so, but like, I mean, detail oriented down to the point, well, it's, it's detail oriented and it's, um, to have just this insane vision, you know, um, we don't give ourselves enough credit for what we can accomplish. And Brian has definitely brought that out in myself. He, he's always just a think bigger guy. Like he had, he got all of the best parts possible for this entire build. And I mean, the story, the story is enough for anyone to say yes to helping. I mean, it's just incredible. So, um, his portrayal of that, plus the determination to make it just as good as it can possibly be. I remember we were sitting, it, it may have been right before the truck came to my shop. Um, we were going through parts lists and just making sure that all the I's were dotted, T's were crossed. And Brian's like, okay, what more can we do? And I'm like, I mean, we, we got the bases pretty well covered. And he's like, well, we need, there needs to be a little pizzazz here and there. And like, what about, are there any like billet cool parts we can make? And, um, I mean, even like, if you see the back, the rear resis for the rear shocks are are just billet clamps instead of the factory supplied little horseshoe clamps that i mean we he shrink all the hose clamps around all these all the other componentry i mean it's just um taking taking that little level of dedication towards something that will be used as a tool for a raising money and putting on a showcase but b then actually going out and driving around in africa i mean that it's just, it just, the culmination of the whole project is incredible. It was just the, the best project. It's project. a, it's a cool SEMA build. It's, it's not the SEMA build that you see most of the time. I mean, this is, this is a vehicle that yet yeah, is badass. It looks amazing, has all the cool stuff on it, but it's all, you're building it to go use it. It's not just going to be sitting in a parking lot or in a showroom. It's not just a marketing tool. Like you actually want to go use it for what, it, what you're going to, um, you know, for the reason that you were building it. And you know what you said it was 199 miles. So this is a brand new truck that you're brand new. Oh, uh, brand new. It, 
I mean, Brian, Brian jumped through the most hoops just to make that happen. I think we were a couple of weeks late even getting the truck to my place. But um, yeah, I mean, brand, brand new off the showroom floor, TRD Pro. And it came to my house first, actually, to uh, and Derek from DRT over in Arizona flew out to my shop to do. The first thing we did was the, um, the his cab mounts. And so he came over and plasma cut everything off in my shop and installed his own cab mounts on Brian's truck. And then it came back like a week later and we did all oh, the suspension. So, I mean, I tore apart my Tacoma. I, I know the feeling, but mine was already wrecked. It was a salvage truck. <laughs> so I, I just, it didn't feel quite as bad, like holes and, uh, you know, ruining it, ruining it, quotation marks. Um, so what, so cab mount shop was the first thing. Um, so you could run bigger tires yep. and weren't rubbing on anything. Well, what was the list of things that you accomplished in your shop? Um, so we did, uh, archive garage, uh, leaf hanger and uh, rear frame stiffener. We did his, uh, upper shock mounts for the rear. Um, we did the. Dirt King lowers. We did the Icon uppers that are billet. We did all the Fox shocks. We did the our original set of Devers um, that will possibly be getting replaced with a, a heavier pack or a custom pack to support the weight that this thing has. Um, and then we did, I want to say that's the brakes. Oh, yeah. We, we did oh, the brake. Yeah, we did a disc brake conversion oh, cool. from StopTech. I forgot about that. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. How, yep, and and all associated mounts on the okay. axle. And how much stuff. additional weight do you think you're carrying on this thing when it's all loaded up, ready to go? I think it's around twelve hundred okay. pounds. Yeah, it's a pretty there. significant increase in weight. Yeah, and so yeah, it is. You've upgraded the braking so you can stop when you're got to slow down all that mass. Do you do anything to improve the performance of the motor at all, or did you keep that factory just for reliability? Just okay. factory, you know, we had, we've had the opportunity to put a supercharger on it, things like that. Um, but the the more you've got on that engine, mm -hmm. the more you do do to the engine, um, the the more challenging you make it for yourself in a in a context like Africa. So you know the Toyota the Toyota platform form is 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 amazing. I mean, there's a reason why terrorists <laughs> run Toyota trucks all the time, right? Um, it's it's virtually bulletproof. And, uh, um, so why mess with, if, if the clock's not broken, why mess with it? Right. So for us, we want to just keep it straightforward, simple. It's capable as is we regeared the truck, put 529s from nitro, uh, and then we got a CVC, uh, tune on it as well. And I mean, it's just like butter. It's really, it's really nice. Um, but beyond that, we didn't do okay. too much to, so you, to the engine brakes, the suspension, some power adders. And then you talked about, you want your own integrated battery system, charging system, so you could run off the grid. Um, did you yeah. end up upgrading the fuel system as well? Okay. Not, not yet. We're gonna put a okay. long range uh, tank in it. Uh, so that's on the agenda. Um, but with the, with the management system, we went with a manager 30 from Red Arc, um, and we integrated that in with, um, the 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 explore um uh solar power system 
um, and all that. Uh, we, we basically integrated everything into it just all exists right <laughs> That's on That's so nice. <laughs> it's, it's, yeah, it's really nice. You can monitor it. Um, just try to keep it clean and simple. You know, we had a, a plan for a bunch of switches and whatnot in the, you know, in the cab. And when Carmen came to the table, then we just basically rethought everything and just kept it really simple and, and straightforward. Um, but with that red, that red arc, red vision system, um, we could keep tabs on, on everything, the battery levels, um, our fluid levels, uh, the whole, the whole, the whole deal. Um, and we can keep track. I mean, we've, we've got 120 built into the thing. We use a uh, 3000 watt wagon tech inverter, um, and a convection burner. That's really simple. We pull it out of our truck vault storage uh, system in the back and, um, pretty straightforward. And then we just monitor the ampage, um, on, on our uh, red vision um, monitor. So if we need to, uh, if we need to drive some more um, and we can, we drive to, to boost those batteries. If we need to flick on the switch and use the solar uh, panel up top, then we go ahead and do that. And so, is all yeah, that in the back seat system? Or is that in the, the bed of the truck? Bed of the truck. It, it's in the bed of the truck. There's two 100 Battleborn uh, sure. lithium batteries sit back there in a, uh, cool. in a Yeti box. So. You wouldn't know they're back there. It nice. just looks like a Yeti box. Have you, take, have you taken up the whole back seat yeah. with yeah. a bunch of gadgets or you can still sit back there? Nice. You can sit back there. Yeah, yeah I man. would love to. When you come out, I'll take you for a Take a ride in your truck and then we'll go take a ride now. <laughs> <to the truck. laughs> yeah. Yeah, we'll have Absolutely. to make it. We'll yeah, have man. to do a dune day. It's so fun. I, uh, <laughs> I spent all this time building a pre-runner and believe it or not, I've only ever ridden in one, one time and it was down Barstow, Maine. And it was like, oh gosh, it blew my mind <laughs> how capable these trucks are. And mine won't be quite as capable as the one that I was in because I'm still running the, uh, the Dirt King long travel in the front. I don't, it, this one was, um, it had a center mount. And so it was able to get like, you know, 20 inches of travel in the front and 30 in the back or something like that. But oh, yeah, no, it's, I can't wait to get mine done. I feel like I've done nothing but build cars for years and uh, I've never actually driven anything. I'm sure you feel the same way where you're just like, you get in that fabrication mode and it's just go, go, go. And you're like, if I'm going to do that, I may as well do that. I mean, I'm going to may as well do that. And before you know it, it's two years down the line and you've got a rolling chassis yep. and that's about it. <laughs> <laughs> no, there's not no, enough hours in the day. That's it's cool. a fun world to get into. Um, <laughs> and it's really, it's cool to see the actual, like, the different paths that the passion for cars can take, you know, seeing that you starting this NGO and, you know, helping 2 million people get access to clean water. That's like, that's a major thing. You have, you've had a, a huge impact on the world and you've bettered a lot of people's lives. And it's amazing that, uh, you know, your experience down there sparked the, the drive to go and make a change in the world. And, you know, Alex is just, was there to, you know, get the truck ready to go and, you know, build something that's special. And it is, it's, it's great. I mean, you have over a hundred thousand followers on Instagram. Um, I'm sure you've garnered millions of views through all the content that you've created and you're only a year in, which is pretty incredible. So I'm really excited to see where you can take it. Yeah. We're, we're, <laughs> we're really grateful for the support, um, that we have, um, you know, folks like you who are willing to let us share our story, Sam, we're, we're incredibly grateful. Uh, the folks 
the sponsors, companies who've jumped on board to help us make this happen. Um, it's precisely what we'd hoped for. Um, and uh, we don't take it for granted. We really don't. And even the people who, who have donated through Hershecks to Vox, just incredibly grateful to, to those folks. If you're listening, thank you so much. means the world. Um, yesterday, we sent out a bunch of completion certificates. When, when we do a restoration, if people invest, we want to make sure that they know that, that their money hits the ground. And so we, uh, we get the GPS coordinates, we get the background, the population, a um, little bit of the history of the, you know, the, the community. And then we wrap it up in a little package that we send along with a picture to folks who invest. We sent those out yesterday. And I just, I love those moments, man. And, and so many people in the, in the auto industry, people who we've rubbed shoulders with, whether it's at Expo or at SEMA or online through Instagram, who've donated and helped us, um, you know, make a huge difference this year. Um, so, um, I just want to take a moment and, um, to say thanks to all of you who, who get behind us and support us. Let's keep going. Absolutely. Keep, keep and that's the difference. whole purpose of this podcast is to learn about the people that are behind these amazing builds, because I think that's the more interesting story is not the car, but the person that was actually able to make it happen and the good that they're doing in the world with it. It's whether it's spreading the passion or like directly impacting lives like you guys are. Um, and so where can people go to um, support Vox and uh, get involved in the project? Yeah, for sure. Uh, you can you can go to hershacks.com uh, to learn more about what it is that we're doing and how you can get involved. You can also donate there. If you want to learn about <clears throat> Vox, you can go to voxunited.org. Uh, I'll give you the, the, the backstory, and there's also an opportunity to to, to donate there. Um, you can hit us up on Instagram at, at the Hirsch X. That's H-E-R-S-C-H-X. Um, and uh, we try our best to respond uh, to everybody. And if you're in a spot where you need some fabrication done and you live in the West Michigan region, <laughs> check out Alex. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. Where can people <laughs> the man. you, Alex? <laughs> Uh, it's just my name on Instagram at Alex awesome. Elko E L K O. You know, I'd I'd love to check in again with you, Brian, um, and see where things have gone. I can see this just being the introduction to Vox, and I'd love to keep in touch and see, you know, where it can go and uh, you know spread as much of your message as we can to the world. And Alex, I would love to talk pre-runners with you because that's my world, and I think a huge portion of my audience are pre-runner people. And so I'd love to pick your brain, any of your friends' brains, because it's just so exciting to be a part of that world. And it was great to make this connection with you. Likewise, I look forward to the beginning of this fun friendship. Me too. If there's anything else that I can do to help support the cause, I'm always here. Just let me know what I can do. And uh, we'll check back in with you guys in a little while here and see how things are going. Get an update, because I'm really interested. I'm sure other people will be too. So thank you guys. And uh, everyone that's listening, we'll catch you in the next one.